Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, today uh, we're going to be talking about mindset, skill set, tool set. Yeah, baby. How do you feel about that, man? I'm excited because (laughs) I see people all the time. And and when you first laid this distinction on me uh, years ago, I've gravitated towards it over and over and over because it helps you really figure out how to diagnose the block. Like if you're trying to build a habit, you're trying to stop a habit, you're trying to replace a habit, um, right. you, you've got to know at what level to attack this. And oftentimes people start backward on this and not at the front right. that's going to deliver the most right. transformation. So we'll get into that. But yeah. 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 I love love the topic today because it, it just like like a lot of the stuff that we do, it resonates with individuals who are looking to improve but also leaders who are looking to improve teams, right? So we're looking to move ourselves to a new level of performance. And then there are those of us who are managing teams who are looking to move the entire team. Yeah. And, uh, and what often happens is, as individuals or as leaders, we get stuck in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. We get stuck in the urgency of all the things on our plate, especially in the context of sales and driving growth, we get stuck in this idea that everything else, everything that's everything that everything that um, kind of improves me or develops me is secondary to the work that I can do to get shit done, to move stuff through the pipeline, and drive drive sales. And we we get into this kind of urgent reactionary mode where we're not approaching the world thoughtfully; we're just responding. And we know it. We know the feeling of doing work and not feeling we're very efficient or feeling like we're wasting time and not being at our best. But are we willing to step back and think about it? And I think this model kind of gives us a chance to do that, gives us a framework to do that in. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> this is something that I've been saying lately. Uh, and for me, it, it so fits with what you just said. Awareness is the answer. What's the question? (laughs) It's like everything starts with that awareness. And what this is going to do when we walk through this is elevate, accelerate the awareness of exactly how to figure out what's blocking you from getting into those habits that you want to. Yeah. So I think what would be cool is to start with a story um, or just, you know, stories that you and I have experienced right around this topic so if we think about and to your point you know this idea that we can take shortcuts so you know in the context of running a sales organization um i actually sold crm software 
before I founded Florist Group. Uh, in fact, I was part of a startup back in the early 90s. And uh, it, we didn't coin the phrase CRM, but we were one of the first to use it uh, in, with the technology that we were developing. And so I've been, I've been selling and deploying CRM you know, for almost 30 years, <laughs> 25 years. Hmm. Uh, and what would happen is we'd walk into an organization, even back then, and the organization, the business side of the organization would be um, crazy excited about this idea of bringing automation to the organization. And so what ended up happening is because this promise of automation uh, and the idea that we can we can buy tech, we can take our money and buy technology, give it, give it to someone else to implement, participate, maybe half-ass our participation because you know we're busy selling, but we'll participate. But it's this idea that change, we get we get to kind of um, transfer change to another team, a technology team. We get to buy software and we get to kind of avoid or feel like we can avoid the heavy lift of the real change that we're trying to trying to achieve just by buying and implementing technology. And we're and we're uh, as leaders and as individual members of the team, my clients were oftentimes just so willing to forget about the human side, forget about what they themselves might have to do to change their behaviors. And and to me it's that that when you said when you talked about this idea of cutting corners, I think about all the people out there who just buy tools. Mm-hmm. They just invest in that tool set as that shortcut to change, and then they forget about the other two components. Yeah, yeah, that's the greatest indication that you have set yourself up for, at best, momentary transformation not lasting. Because you are depending on the tool. And that's the way people start backward with this. They start with the tool. They get excited about the tool. And when they get excited about the tool, the transformation hasn't happened in such a way that they can replicate it over and over and over and over again. And so, yeah, what you saw in sales, your experience was such a a great picture of that. Like, hey, the right tool will fix everything. And dude... Okay, so I'll confess something to you. I did not grow up in the house of a handyman, and I am not one either. So even something like hanging curtains, you know, make a list of the things that I hate, and that's super high up there, way more than it should be. So I got to tell you this, dude. We hung some new curtains my wife had wanted. We got them, she got them for Christmas. And my drill that I use is an old-school, like, handheld, not the gun kind, but just the one, like, piece that was a a drill it doesn't even hold the charge so like i have to just lock it in manual and use it and it's so lame it's so terrible to try to like drill a hole with this but so i have resisted 21 22 years of marriage this july still have not bought any kind of decent drill i've had that one since the beginning i finally went and bought a drill okay dude (laughs) so i got a real drill now the gun Took the curtains down, hung the new ones, didn't hang it right, broke a drill bit, right? Because the tool didn't magically fix the real flaw, which is 
my inept handyman skills. <laughs> I could have spent $1,000 on a commercial grade drill and probably drilled a hole right through the wall. <laughs> and so, yeah, you see people get excited about the tools and that should be a flag. Like right. if they've skipped over these other two pieces, if the other two pieces in place, get excited about the tools. Right. So, so the idea is um, a tool, tools are great and you want to have the best available or best possible tool for the job. But the tool set isn't going to be nearly as valuable to you without the skill set to operate it. Um, the challenge, especially in sales that we see, is that we can put people through training to give them the skills. But that training will fall on deaf ears unless the folks that are in those seats or on that Zoom call have the right mindset, right? There if their beliefs are aligned with what they're learning... Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's all three and all three are important, but what drives change and what drives the permanency of change, what drives the um, establishment of what we call winning habits, it, it all begins with mindset. Mindset's everything. Mindset's the foundation. The skills are the walls that give the structure. And it's like the tools are the roof, the shelter, they protect. And so if you try to put the roof in place... Before you get the foundation, the whole thing is flawed. So the way people start with this backward and we're applying it to sales, you could apply it to productivity. I'm not as productive as I want to be. I need to find a new tool. Well, no. you got to go back to mindset first. You, you might not be as productive anymore because you don't feel as much meaning in the tasks that you're accomplishing. And you need to either rediscover new meaning or deepen the meaning that has vaporized on you. Uh, it's normal to lose heart. It's normal to lose meaning. It's normal to go through cycles of change where you have to reconnect to what you're doing. Um, but whatever it is, it comes down to the mind. A podcast that I've been enjoying a lot, uh, I know we've talked about it, the Huberman Lab, this neuroscientist just like came out of nowhere with like tons of wisdom on so many things. But he's really become uh, an important voice to, to a lot of people very quickly and sound, sound science, listen to it a bunch. But he talked recently about how like the mind isn't everything. There, there are other things at work, but the mind is the starting point. It's the foundation. Like what you think and believe about yourself, what's your baseline for how you know yourself and relate to yourself and relate to others uh, this is that foundational work. And, you know, it's age-old wisdom. It's been said many, many, many times in lots of different ways. Before you focus on what you want to do, you actually do the work on who you want to be. And we have a whole society engineered that is happy to reverse that process. <laughs> and, right. and it sets you up for a lot of failure. Yeah, yeah, because a tool set... You know, for many of us, the tool set just requires money. Yeah. It doesn't really require a commitment uh, in our minds beyond money, right? It's like, ah, oh, let's just spend it. We, and it, we buy it and it sits. How many companies buy consulting and the results just sit? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's this, it's this idea of um, understanding the system. So we can do that as individuals, but I, I'm really interested in talking about mindset, skill set, tool set in the context of moving teams, mm. moving companies forward. 
Um, and when you think about mindset, we, we, when we think about mindset, we think about the beliefs that enable success. When I think of skills, I think about the expertise that delivers success. And when I think of tool set, I think of the systems that reinforce success. Mm-hmm. So I think of tools as the things that reinforce or automate or improve pr- productivity, but they are not the things that drive success, right? Yeah. Uh, when we sold technology to businesses, we would always, always say, look, you can't automate a broken process. You've got to have the process first before the automation if you want to optimize your investment. And so it's that, it's that you have to have the commitment to excellence before you have a commitment to that tool set. And too often in organizations, especially sales organizations, mindset is ignored as a, you know, as a something soft or something unimportant. Just go get the work done. Just go do the work. And we and we don't think about where the heads of our teammates are. You know, what purpose do they pursue? What drives them every day? What beliefs do they have about what works and doesn't work? So before we start thinking about skills and tools, we have to really really invest time as a leader. We have to invest time in aligning the belief system of our team. What do you and don't you believe? Because if I'm trying to initiate change uh, and I'm all and I'm always going to be uh, bumping up against this this uh, the differences in beliefs that my teammates have, how am I ever going to get everybody on the same page? How am I ever going to build a system and implement a system that my organization can execute to a high level to get us where we want to go? Yeah. I mean, I think about this like with the NFL. If if the tool set was the difference maker, the teams with the most expensive training facilities would win. But that's not the case. And so I'm fascinated when I hear players talk about the same thing we want to do as leaders. And this is one of my favorite things about leadership. Convincing a group of people that we can do the impossible, that we can do something that we didn't think we could do before we collectively came together. Um, and ultimately, the mindset of that, this belief, that's the foundation for winning. That's the fan foundation for championship elite level performance, that that it's we're getting in order. We're getting in place this foundation. This foundation is healthy and strong. We are ready to tackle this hill. We're going to go do this. And that's what gets me excited. The tools matter. But it's built around this idea of the mindset. And the leader that understands this progression, okay, doesn't get up and attack the problem in the wrong way. You might have a tool set issue if you've done the mindset work and done the skill building. But you got to start at mindset. Yeah. So um, one of the things that... Um when I, whenever I'm working with an organization, I think about, okay, how do we activate this stuff? Like, how do we make it real for mm-hmm. our clients? And uh, I know, you know, both of us have our own training programs, you in leadership, me on the sales side. Um, and together, we oftentimes, <laughs> we oftentimes serve each other's audiences. It's because the, 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 uh, the uh, education is transfers so well between groups. Mm. Um, I tend to think about something that we coined called a KISS list. Um, And so when I'm moving people through a learning process, and this is, I I guess I share this with the idea that whether you're an individual trying to improve yourself and you're investing in training and development, or whether you're a leader looking to activate 
your team and move them forward in unison. You can think about this idea of a kiss list uh, as you're consuming data, as you're consuming information, as you're gaining insight. Um, what do you do with that? How do you organize the insight to activate change? Um, when I first started training, Chris, um, it was back maybe eh, maybe 15 years ago as a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, we would we would travel around the country and set up one day events where we might, we might go to Vegas and for a, dra- a day tra- train a room of 80 people. Um, and um, what we would say in advance of that session, and this was perfectly acceptable uh, by our client. We would say, look, you guys are exposed to a lot of training throughout your career. Um, you're here in Vegas, you've got distractions. Some of you wanna be here, some of you don't wanna be here. <laughs> Right, we'd we'd identify all these all these um, challenges. Right, look, the expectation that we have from you today is to is that you take one or two key things from the session today, and and just identify one or two things that you want to change about how you operate and carry those forward this next quarter, the next quarter, and take that one thing and make it work for you. So what we would do is we would we would. Um, we would engage the audience by making their task seem super easy, right? We would play down to the lowest common denominator of the group and say, look, find one key thing that you wanna change. Now, I don't mind this. I mean, even Kobe Bryant, right? The late, great Kobe Bryant would say, look, just pick one thing you wanna change per season about how you play ball, and you'll, over your career, you'll, you'll become outstanding. I get it. but. To me, it's not enough. Come on. Right? Getting excited. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to. Just real quick. Because I was going to say, do you think, I know Kobe Bryant said that, but do you think he really lived that way? Right, 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 right. He probably said that to keep his competition, right, one step behind him, right? <laughs> Knowing the way he thought, the yeah. way he competed. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've been at so many trainings where I've heard people say things like that. And I'm like, I'm capturing all 17. I'm going to implement them in my calendar next week. You know, it's, uh, yeah, keep going. Right, right, right. right. No, and you, and, and I appreciate that. So the idea is when you're, when you're, when you're exposing yourself to knowledge, think to yourself, and this is something that most of us don't do. Most Type A overachievers, we don't do the we don't do this first thing. We don't identify the stuff that we're already doing great, that we're already doing well. We we rarely look back down the mountain to see how much we've accomplished, how far we've come, and give ourselves credit for that. Most high achievers, type A personalities, as I as I know you're aware, Chris, uh, you know, we I I throw myself into that. We only look at the stuff that we have to learn. We only look at the stuff that we're not doing well. And it can become daunting. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, healthy leadership for me when it comes to what we're talking about here maintains multiple lenses of perspective. And they're able to look at it and go, yeah, look at what I've advanced on. I can appreciate that. You know, I think there's a fear when we're really insecure and I have moments of insecurity and I've had to 
grow through a ton of persistent insecurity, but I've seen my baseline change through the work that I've done and it feels amazing. But when you're in that place of deep insecurity, you're like, you can't ever get enough done to feel whole or accomplished or ahead, you know. And even now there are times where I have to be careful because, you know, hey, it's really good. We had our best month ever, best year ever, but that could go away tomorrow, you know. And it's, my wife is ready for us to fix dinner and I don't want to be done yet. And, you know, all these kind of things that you start making these moves out of really appreciating. Yeah, it doesn't mean we're going to rest so much that we're going to lose our edge. There's a both-hand reality here, but it is hard. It's not easy. Right. Right. So the first, the first uh, rule of the KISS list is identify the things that you're doing well that are aligned with where you want to be and where you want to go and identify the stuff you want to keep. Mm. Right. Having a list of what works is great. Having a process that describes your most predictable path to success. Right. We call our process your fastest path to cash. Why? Well, it's optimized. It's been optimized over decades and hundreds of users. Right? So have your own best practice, your own process that's optimized. And then, of course, one of the benefits of going through any kind of training program or learning process is now you can identify the second element of the KISS list. What are you going to improve? So what are you doing that's aligned, but maybe you could be executing it more thoughtfully, producing better outcomes? Mm. That might be a place you want to deep dive. So the question I have for you, Chris, is why is it better for, uh, and maybe you can, maybe you can disagree with this. I'd love to hear your perspective. I'm thinking it makes more sense for folks to invest in the stuff that they have to improve versus the next step, which is the stuff they have to stop or start. It's easier to focus on the stuff that you're already doing that can get you that incremental lift. But I guess, would you disagree? I, I, would, I would imagine that some folks might say, hey, Jimmy, if you're doing it adequately well, can you really get the lift that you need compared to stopping and starting something new? Yeah. Um, general wisdom here, you don't stop a bad habit, you replace it with a good one. And I've had to do that. You know, there are times when I've been <laughs> in some deep holes of bad habits and I'm like, what? Right. Uh, so, so general wisdom there. General wisdom, um, you want to focus more on where you can get better your strengths than just trying to improve your weaknesses. Um, for me, the way that I tackle this, and I'll hit the exception, is are you captured, captivated, obsessed with a vision? Because if you are, it crowds out everything else. Does it mean that every day is amazingly as productive as you want? No. But it just means that when, when there is vision that burns hot in you, right, you have that kind of focus that you're working on the things that you need to improve that make the biggest difference. Now, even in our relationship and friendship, you've, you know, when we met a few years ago, you knew I had a vision. But like how I was showing up with that vision in 2019 made sense and worked but it wasn't really activating the vision as fully as possible i didn't know it then well 2020 was was clarifying a lot of things uh because everything got kind of turned upside down and you're well now i i burn so hot with vision i should go go to the doctor get it checked out i i can't help but this passionate obsession about how far we can go this year 
and it, and it's translated into specificity. So for people to really know who they are and who they can become, the deep mindset work, and then the skills that they want to build to get them there, um, the improving is, is almost always get, getting obsessed crowds out the distractions, you know? Now, I do think in a normal path and growth, there is an exception there. Very high-performing people, high-capacity people just can shoulder a lot. And there does have to come at some point an ability to be ruthless about the things they cut out. Uh, because creating margin for them to have expansive mental playtime so they're not just trying to make linear improvements but get non-linear breakthroughs is key. But that's a really advanced lesson that mm -hmm. comes later. Master level for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you're saying. And I think... Um, you know, I would say for most of the folks that we work with, right, there is a passion uh, to get better, for example, at sales or sales leadership, at driving growth, whether it's a CEO, a sales leader, or a member of a team. Mm. Um, to, that passion exists to some degree. Um, the question, I guess the question is, how do you, how do you elevate that passion to action and an optimized level level of performance. And when you look at, you brought up athletes before, you know, when you look at athletes, many of them have, they have team coaches, they have squad coaches, they have position coaches, they have strength coaches, right? But what I love about, what I love about the paradigm is that they, they have a coach, they have a third person or another person who's helping them um, through the process, who's that voice in the ear, who stands beside them to make sure that whatever commitments they've made, they they are working toward keeping, uh, just by virtue of them, you know, watching what they're doing, giving them feedback, etc. That feed, that constant feedback. Uh, what I love about the kiss list is to your point about replacing right a bad habit. Well, the coach is going to ask you specifically if you're going to if you're going to put this into action. Forget about your passion. Forget about everything else. We have to programmatically improve a process that you're going through. We have to identify the mindset, skill set, tools that are required to do that. So I want to know from you right now, what is it that you do right now that's not getting you to where you want to be? Mm -hmm. What are those things in terms of, to your point earlier, awareness, right? Are you aware of the stuff that's holding you back? Let's write that down. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff, right, that you want to work toward stopping. Now, what do we replace it with? So it's not just a strategy of thinking about what I don't want to do. How do I now then think about, how do I flip it to, using, to use your term into something that I'm going to now work toward becoming excellent at? Now, I'm also going to be, I'm going to be conscious in the back of my head that that thing that I'm stopping doesn't creep back in. But that's why I have a coach. Uh, so what this does for me is it kind of creates uh, a model for how a leader and a team member can work really well together. Mm -hmm. If they're both working off the same KISS list in the context of an individual's mindset, skill set, tool set, then they can actually document a plan that they can work through and they can, they can uh, create um, goals for, they can, they can collect and track evidence of progress. Mm -hmm. 
this is how you know you're being led by somebody who is advanced and, and powerful in this and can help change your life or, or a coach because they help get the mindset into the skill set building at the simplest repeatable level of actions and it is reflected on your calendar and your to-do list so on your calendar and to-do list is the space for the simple repeatable actions whatever those are and that's how you know you've done the work to translate it and some people you know maybe struggle with that a little bit no shame in that the only shame (laughs) the only bad thing to avoid here is not asking for help if you are in a place that you're a part of a team or as an individual and you don't have a translation into these simple, repeatable things that you need to do, these actions, ask for help on that. You know? We tell people we don't do this anymore, but we used to do this manager uh, training in these nine skills. Now we have it as a course. But one of the skills was you, know, you haven't really trained someone until you've gotten it into the smallest concrete action. That's how you know the work has been done to train someone. And that's what, you know, great, we're talking about athletes, the great coach helps the team believe they can do it, but then shrinks that belief down into an expression of the simplest, clear behavior. A great coach can do that too. I mean, you think about like, if if you observe me in a sales meeting, right, you're going to see a hundred things I don't see at the level of which you uh, have walked this walk and lived this journey. And that's what's powerful. You can actually give me feedback about the most minute thing that my awareness completely skips over and hasn't developed for yet. And what we can do when we have the help of a coach, you know, I can help leaders see the most minute turn of a phrase and how that will completely open the room up versus shut it down. And that awareness comes, and I can give them that very micro feedback. It feels small, but it's actually huge because I've messed that moment up a hundred times. You know, I know it. I know it too I've been well. There. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there, done that. So you bring up a great point. Coaches can come from really anywhere. It can be our leader. It could be a peer. Uh, it's a great, it's a great um, benefit of the team selling approach. Um, uh, I think the the thing that has to happen, though, that you're pointing to is we have to be open to the coaching mm-hmm. and we have to have people around us who are looking to help us, right? Not just point out the stuff that we're doing wrong, but, you know, with, with love right in their hearts and kindness, right? Help us achieve that level of awareness without judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to create that, <laughs> you know, that competitive or um, maybe even a, a more detrimental relationship. But if if a leader can build those kinds of attitudes and that kind of awareness into a team, boy, I mean, it's clear, it's obvious to see how exponential the growth can be across that team. Yeah, that's the one plus one equals way more than two. And that's yeah. what we all want to be a part of. That's where it gets really fun, you know. Even if you want to work from home, you can still be a part of an exponential team delivering amazing results. Yeah. I think to this point, uh, we found some interesting statistics I'll point to. 
Uh, this comes from CSO Insights. And you might be, uh, you may not have uh, seen this, or I may not have mentioned this to you, Chris. I'd be interested in your uh, feedback. Uh, 88% of companies have a named sales methodology, but only 22% have taken the steps required to ensure it's correct and consistent execution across the sales team, right? So 88% of companies have made a commitment to a tool, a methodology, but only about a quarter of them have made a commitment to actually executing it. What, what's really interesting to me is this next point. Companies that ensure the correct and consistent execution of a unifying sales methodology grow year over year revenues uh, almost three times faster than companies that do not. And that came from Aberdeen Group. So this speaks directly to your point, Chris, where as individuals, we could create a team of individuals who are perfecting their own individual process uh, and that team of individuals, even if they're all high performers, will never be as productive mm-hmm. as a, uni- a team that's unified across a standard way of operating that are all working together, right, on mindset, skill set, tool set to continuously improve. Mm. It's, and, and, the, and the effect is insane, 3x year-over-year improvement. Wow. I, I mean, alignment... First, the mindset trumps the tool set. So we're bought in on a vision. We're aligned on the process, the sales methodology. We could be bought in on the methodology, trained and ready to go, but we're not bought in on the tool. That's a whole other thing, right? right? That that we're believing in it and trained for it. But again, it's the ordering of this. Uh, so I'll tend to have like consulting sessions with executive teams where – they're rolling out development, leader development for the company and the, and the staff. And then they start creating too complex of systems, right, that then translate into uh, a lot of work to adopt tools. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm always raising a flag on that going, hey, pay attention because your best leaders are going to find all the loopholes to get it done. Like they're just going to get it done. And they're going to figure out ways around some of the tools. If they're not bought in on the tools and if it's not a simple application to their lives in a way that it improves what they do, they're going to focus on getting it done over and above obeying the system or having to use the tools just like it was meant to be used. Right. They're going to innovate. Right. And so let's, let's know that so we can be focused on methodology alignment first. Right. Let's know it. Let's share it. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. Well, look, um, for anybody who's interested, anybody listening, um, I'd be happy to share our one-page KISS list. Uh, It talks about how what you keep, improve, stop, start can be deployed across your mindset, skill set, and tool set. It's set up in a very simple uh, framework, very simple table. Um, And Chris, I know you've got training on this as well. What element of your of your training do you think would be most impactful for folks that are thinking about, for our leaders especially, who are thinking about driving change across an organization and unifying folks around this idea of mindset? Um, yeah, it would be our, we, I mean, we have a leadership course that develops your ability to do just that. What are the major templates you need to know? What are the major things you need to watch out for? Um, so we, yeah, a ton of resources on that. 
But I would say even before they do that, the deepest thing, the root level is what insecurities are preventing you from seeing the clarity that you need to see that you can deliver to your team. If we can mm-hmm. do that, we're doing the root work. The fruit work right. takes care of itself. And those insecurities, that goes back to what we started the conversation off with originally, right? What is it that's creating urgency for me? What is it that's causing me to not focus on the stuff that's important, but the stuff that's urgent? Like, what is it that's got me focused on hitting my number mm-hmm. versus doing the foundational work that's going to help me, that help make it easier to hit my number, right? Bingo, bingo. Yeah, love it. Well, thank you, my friend. Great conversation. I look forward to, to next time. Let's do it. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.